Radio Influence. The future is now. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Friday edition, a special one, too, of the Dark Delight podcast with Sarah Absher (laughs) (laughs) and Beans. Sarah Absher is joining us. You guys, like, big, huge friend of mine and big, big friend of the show. Um, Sarah, you've joined us for the show a couple of times during the COVID days, like back day, way back. Yeah, it feels like a million years ago. Yeah, we did the first one about what was the first one about? The first one was about um, we were uh, bringing the the truth about early treatment to the people and kind of talking about how they could um, get it from their pharmacy and from a doctor because most people's doctors were not willing to even talk about its existence. Yes. And then the second one was how to successfully wrestle your kidnapped loved one from the hospital yes which is crazy isn't it it still blows my mind that that was even a thing i mean i I still to this day cannot believe that people were kept away from their loved one while their loved one died alone Uh, i just I, i don't understand and and i don't understand either and you know that that brings us to kind of where we are today because I don't um, I never like endorse candidates for things ever, um, only because it's very rare. And, and the very first time I've done it is you, because I met you way back in the day of covid. And we were like very few of us were screaming about this when that day was happening. And I just we just I mean, I just got to know you and you were just a ball of integrity and passion and. I just know you very, very well. I I consider you a good friend and um, you're running for a school board position that you stepped up for because you're just seeing what's going. I mean, I'll let you tell people why you're running. What am I doing? But, you know, just knowing that you have the gumption and the drive to do something like this and be successful at it so far has been inspiring to me, especially because, you know, usually like I'm in the GOP here in, in South Carolina and I see what goes on and we did our little candidate nights and stuff, but I don't see anybody. I've never seen anybody campaign so hard for a school board race as you. And that's because it's very multifaceted. So tell everyone out there why you're running, give them your website. We're going to try and raise some money for you today, Sarah, because you need it and you deserve it. And let's see what goes on. Go ahead. Well, thank you. Um, So I think like everybody uh, who's awake, we, I, I was looking for a way to step up. And all throughout COVID, um, my my son, he uh, struggled just like so many kids. And so I saw um, I saw what he was learning. I saw or not learning as the case may be. Uh, it was it was just a very tough time for kids. Um, and, and he's uh, he has gone to college now, but um, his graduation was COVID was a big shadow over it. Um, and and his junior year as well. And so, uh, but the, the problem with all of this, not just how it, it hurt our kids is how our representatives behaved when we, uh, went to school board meetings, when we emailed them, 
and said, hey, this isn't working for our kids. Uh, I've talked to so many parents who have special needs kids, and they were not given the time of day. Um, you know, we have a couple school board members that are that, that do their best, um, but it's it's almost like just like anything with COVID, COVID became the big excuse. Uh, well, you know, we can't do our jobs because of COVID. What are we going to do? Nobody was willing to fight and say, hey, uh, we don't have to take these recommendations from the state. That's the and we can get into that. But that was the whole other thing that really bothered me about the, the school board's reaction. They acted like the recommendations, which were not laws, were laws. And so there was nobody pushing back at the meetings and they limited parents uh, speaking times. Uh, one, some meetings, it was one minute. Yeah. Some meetings they gave us three minutes. I mean, that that was really gracious of them. And um, and and so they cut off microphones. Uh, so I just thought, you know what? Somebody's got to represent parents who wanted their kids back in school and make sure this never happens again. And push back against the Marxist indoctrination that's in our schools. And so um, that's somebody I decided was going to be me. And I stepped up and that's it. And you know what? Honestly, the, the other great thing about you is that you're running on like bona fides because you were really actually walking the walk with this the entire. I mean, you your life for the past three years has been dramatically altered because of all this, just like everybody, but you, you, you know, it's popular now to, to stand up and say you're against COVID mandates and you were against this and you were against, but you literally like we, we took the arrows and the bullets and like we're in the trenches and actually meant it when it wasn't popular. Would you agree? Yes. And I have very complicated mixed feelings as I'm sure do many of us who spoke out early. Um, well, I'm glad. I feel very glad that people are waking up and seeing. There's this bitterness that I feel, and I, I don't, I don't really know how to. I, I try to channel it and make it productive, but it's like, oh, so now everyone's paying attention. But I, you know, gotta have grace because it was a really complicated time. But yes, yeah, I'm glad more people are waking up. Yeah, I know. I talk about it a lot because it's it's like a it's like an uphill battle. Like you're, you're fighting against yourself almost like, well, okay, great. Good for you. Now it's easy. You know, where were you when, but, um, but that's just a way that people will know, like they can know that you, you actually mean what you say, because it's, it's when you're doing something, when it's really difficult, it's, it's a different story than when you're doing it, when it's super easy. So tell everyone before we go even any further where they can find your website. So my website is, sarahabsher.com, S-A-R-A-H-A-B-S-H-E-R.com, S-A-R-A-H-A-B-S-H-E-R.com. And let's talk about your background quick, because we, we've done this like briefly, but you're a candidate now. And so people need to know where you came from. So explain, have you always been um, a conservative? Were you, um, you know, what, what about you is, is how has your journey been? So I have not always been a conservative. I am a walkaway Democrat. Uh, I um, I don't know who I think it was a Breitbart said that uh, liberal is the factory default setting of, of young people. And I think that's true because I hadn't really thought it through. I was you know that I was just liberal because I, I did grow up in the D.C. area and my parents are fairly liberal. And um, so I just I didn't really question it. It was just something that I was and um, in college. I actually even knocked on doors for Barack Obama, which is insane for me to think about now because I'm pretty conservative. But um, I, again, if you had asked me why a liberal and, and 
actual questions about what the values of a liberal versus a conservative are, I wouldn't have been able to tell you. I didn't know anything about anything. And then what really changed, it was a slow progression, but I became a nurse and I realized that it's not, of course, liberals paint conservatives as not compassionate because they don't want to, they don't want to help people and we should, you know, and, and they t- typically conservatives are against uh, big entitlement programs, but dealing with all types of people, I realized there are people that want to help themselves and, and then are ready. And then there are people that don't want to help themselves and they're not ready. And, and so if you are giving money or entitlements to people who are not ready to help themselves, you might as well be lighting that money on fire. And um, and there's only so many resources to go around. So you, you want to use those resources conservatively and give them to people who have, you know, maybe worked their whole life or um, it's, it's just more complicated than being a mean conservative. So that kind of primed the pump. And then um, when, you know, the the right became more populous with Donald Trump, I that that spoke to me because I've always been a populist. I've always kind of been a libertarian. Again, I just didn't really know it. I'm, I'm a live and let live. And then uh, with the way the left was acting, um, really, it was not that I'm a huge fan of Justice Kavanaugh, but what they were willing to do for him, which was clearly a, or to him, which was clearly a lie. Uh, it really disgusted me. And and that was the last straw. And I said, you know what, I, I'm I'm never voting for another Democrat again. That's that. And, you know, every that everybody's got their moment. Um, mm-hmm. I was actually talking to Brandon yesterday, Brandon Strzok and. I said, you know, he's he's feeling very overwhelmed with everything. And I said, you know, there are people out there. Everybody's got their moment and it's getting more and more insane out there right now. Right. So it's getting crazy. Like we started off on our on our locals live pre-show. Go to uh, uncoverdc.locals.com. Become a member to get that. Talking about Biden's speech last night, which you hadn't had the privilege of seeing. (laughs) And I was like, oh, gosh, because you were busy campaigning and doing like city council things and stuff. So. he he was standing in front of this what I would macabre like Halloweenish uh, <laughs> yeah. Emperor Palpatine whatever adjective you could use backdrop um, calling three quarters of the country extremist enemies basically um, I have a clip here we can play it quickly and it's it's just here let let's see let's see what happens when I play this <laughs> we must be honest with each other. And with ourselves, too much of what's happening in our country today is not normal. And I agree with you, Joe Biden, (laughs) just not for the reasons that he thinks um, here. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. Now, I'm going to stop because I want to break that down a little bit. You tell me what you think, Sarah. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans. So this is the speechwriter thinks he's using some brilliant technique where he's <laughs> taking our own term and throwing it back at us. Right. He's weaponizing yep. what we've said. But MAGA stands for Make America Great Again. So what is he actually really saying? Um, I, I think the, the real takeaway is just the uh, disdain dripping from his voice um, says it all. And and what he's saying is anyone that's not Liz Cheney, anyone that's to the right of Liz Cheney is, you know, basically persona non grata. Yeah. And he'll, he'll go on. I agree with you here. Here. I want to be very clear, very clear up front. 
Not every Republican, not even the majority of Republicans are MAGA Republicans. Oh, well, thank goodness he's he's <laughs> clarified that, because honestly, like I would have thought it was every single Republican. It, it, it's literally more than 81 million people. I would argue at this point, after everything he, we've gone through over the past two years, it's probably closer to three quarters of the American populace. And do you know that this speech was not broadcast on any local, like main, like cable, not cable, uh, you know, like C- um, CBS, NBC, you know, ABC. None of those none of those networks carried this. Really? Yes. Hmm. Why do you th- like so it's either because. They took one look at the setup and said, oh, no, we can't have people see him do this because, you know, mom and dad sitting on their couch, like cuddling in for some big brother aren't going to like looking at that are going to be like, whoa, it's and they're probably MAGA Republicans, whatever that means. (laughs) Yeah. And that's like the other day he was saying semi-fascist. Yeah. What's that word? He doesn't know what it means. What is a semi-fascist? What is it? First of all. What the hell is a semi-fascist? A, a sprinkling of fascism? I don't, you know, fascism light? I don't, I don't, I don't know what it is either. But look, look, at the bottom, at the end of the day, the whole reason for this obviously wasn't for everyday Americans to watch because otherwise the, the White House would have demanded it be aired in prime time where it was said. Um, the visuals were done that way on purpose. The message was targeted and the reason why I think they did it was either a to incite mm. violence or to cover themselves for whatever it is they're planning, like how the F- the guy went with to the FBI with a freaking staple gun the day after they raided Mar-a-Lago. Right. And, and then if they get away with it and nobody pushes back on it, they feel like they have carte blanche to continue down that path because not even two days before that. His press secretary was out there demonizing all of America as well. So they've clearly declared war on their political enemies, and we're just living here for it. It's it's actually quite chilling. And I know you've talked a lot on the show um, and speculated that uh, you think Donald Trump's going to be indicted. And I was talking to my husband about that, and we just don't know what to think because if he does get indicted, uh, that's going to be. First of all, there's no turning back from that, because if if it's not a legitimate indictment, then they're going to look silly. Um, And if it it, no matter what the circumstances are, what the indictment is for, um, you're you're going to further, even further alienate you three quarters of the country. And that is so chilling. Like, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to incite all of us to. A, a you know basically a civil war and i don't use that lightly but um this is just why what, you would think someone who cares about the country would want to cool down the temperatures and bring in the bring into the fold people who feel disenfranchised by the process especially yes agreed and i think you know a lot of it is i'm looking at you know polling and stuff like that and of course we're getting close to midterms now so the polling's going to swing more to the left only by by sheer design, i.e. manipulation, mm-hmm. like you don't go from a 30 percent approval rating to a 55 percent approval rating overnight. It just doesn't happen, especially not when you've done nothing but this. OK, so we're we're in peak campaign mode. And I don't know how he thinks that that would work, but it does tell me that they 
the fact that they're still manipulating polls, the fact that they're still talking about this, the fact that they're doing some of the things they're doing means that they still think there 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 are elections they need to worry about, which means we still do have elections. That's that's a positive. Um, oh, yeah. Speaking of elections, go to sarahabsher.com, right? That's it. sarahabsher.com and help out Miss Sarah Absher and her race. Can you explain how it works for people, like what you've had to go through for folks that don't understand how this stuff goes? Oh, so guys, this has been quite a crazy ride. And, um, you know, I think we're seeing within the Republican Party, the America First contingent starting to elbow out the establishment. Um, but they do not go quiet into that. They do not go quietly into that night. Uh, they they do not want to let go um, and, and recognize that this is the new face of the party. And so um, it, it hasn't been as horrible as some for me. Uh, just at first they were during the primary, which it was a big primary, very knives out. Um, I think because it, it is a good year for Republicans. So we had more people uh, in the primary for school board than has ever happened in our county's history. And um, so, but the, you know, the, the Republican party establishment was very hands off, like, Oh, Hey, it's the primary, you know, we can't really um, do anything for you, which fine. Um, but uh, don't worry after the primary, we'll, we'll, we got your back. I wouldn't say they don't have my back. It's just when it comes time for action and getting me volunteers it could be a little bit better if I'm, if I'm being honest. And uh, I just remain skeptical, let's just say, because, you know, um, lately I haven't heard anything since the Miami Dade when since all the wins in Florida of, of real MAGA America first candidates uh, for school board. I haven't heard this, but for months they've been telling me, oh, you need to move more moderate. Don't be such a firebrand. You know, uh, you you can still hold your beliefs. Just don't talk about them. They don't want me to talk about critical race theory, which I'm sorry, but it, you know, I'm running for office and I'm going to be who I'm going to be. And if you don't like it, then don't vote for me. But, uh, when I actually talk to people, not people who are steeped in, into the political landscape here, parents are so grateful. They're like, thank you for stepping up. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, factions within the Republican party. And then of course the Dems are going after me, calling me an extremist. And, uh, so it's just it's just been pretty wild. Uh, the local paper uh, is not a friend of mine. I actually won the most votes of any local candidate in uh, in in my county uh, for any local race. And the paper didn't even want to acknowledge it. So the Hold headline on, wait, wait, was so I'm not trying to interrupt you, but I want you to say that I want I want to say that again. In any local race at all, you took all the votes and you're running for a school board position. Yeah, it, it was it was it felt good because it reminded me and we only had a 14 percent turnout for the primary, which was disappointing. But that's about normal for our county. Um, it, it reminded me there are so many people that you don't it's a silent majority. It truly is. Um, and so the local paper reporting on it uh, wrote the headline such that my friend who was just glancing at the paper on her way to work called me up, consoling me about my loss. Oh, geez. Like, Actually. Actually, I won. Um, I know the pay. I know the way the the Winston Salem Journal reported on it. It didn't seem like it. You had to like read into the article, and and then they didn't even really say my name. It doesn't seem to matter, um, which is fantastic. And again, what is the demographic makeup politically of your of your county? 
So our county is D plus six. Um, so it is a, and, and I'm running at large, which is means the whole county. Um, and I, I still maintain that it's because North Carolina is a swing state and our county has areas that are pretty red, but it's a who shows up. And that's why I remain hopeful. I think Republicans are energized as long as they get out and they go all the way down the ballot, not just, you know, Senate and judicial races. Uh, and, and they and people more so now than ever are realizing how important school board is because uh, it's amazing what they're teaching our kids. I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. Your, your listeners are awake. Um, it's just insane. So again, like I just have to stress this, you know, you want everyday people stepping up for these positions. And this is one of us, like this is our family that's running for this position and is doing extraordinarily well. I mean, and you're walking the walk, like you're out at events, you're door knocking, you're doing all the things. The Republican establishment is looking and saying, oh, gosh, we have a problem on our hands because we're not going to be able to stop this. And so we can't be completely outside of it. But please do me a favor and cater to the Democrats the same way that we've been doing for gosh knows how many years. Look where it's gotten us. And you're like, no, because my constituency that I'll be representing, these parents are sick and tired of catering when our kids are being indoctrinated in schools and I'm not going to do that. And and they're all like, thank you so much for being a voice for us. Finally, is that sum it up basically? Yeah, that sums it up. And and I'll say we have there's two races and um, the non at large position. So a section of the county that always is Republican. So once you win your primary um, as a as a school board candidate, you basically won the general. Um, that primary was even more brutal than my primary. And two of the people who won. Uh, even though many of us tried to warn people about them, uh, rhinos would be putting it nicely. Um, one of them, within days of winning the Republican primary, uh, showed up at a teachers union fundraising event for my opponents. Mm. Uh, and so and had his arm around my one of my opponents. There's three spots uh, in, in the at large race, had his arm around one of my opponents and posted that on his social media. So it's like and then the other one um, has been openly campaigning against. Uh, Republican candidates. And that goes against the Republican bylaws because, of course, they enjoyed the Republican ticket name. Um, and then to, to, can't, to go, you know, they don't have to rah-rah Sarah, but they, they can't campaign against me. And they are doing that. And it's just crickets from the, um, you know, leadership in the Republican Party. No sanctions, nothing. I was like, well, yeah, they shouldn't be doing that. That's bad. And I'm like, OK, so what are you going to do about it? Well, what's the point of having bylaws if you don't follow them? It's almost the same unaccountable nonsense we see at every level of 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 anything right now. You know, I'm in the Republican Party and I can tell you for damn sure they only follow their bylaws when they want to attack someone they don't like. Yep. only time they follow the rules. They just like the Biden administration has weaponized law and order against everyday normal people like you'll get a seatbelt ticket, but someone else can get, you know, can 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 walk from from a, a, a horrible. Jeez, gosh, I can't even name the crimes that have been committed by these people. So they can throw a Molotov cocktail into a police station and um, have it all on video. You know, the, the uh, CCTV from across the street can capture the whole thing. and. They don't even they don't even attempt to arrest or identify these people. They can. Yes, they can leave a pipe bomb outside of the RNC and the DNC <laughs> and still get away with it somehow. It's amazing how that happens. Um, it's a good time to tell you guys that 
ExpressVPN is sponsoring the show today. So have you ever browsed in incognito mode, Sarah? I have. It's probably not as incognito as you think. And why would it be? Because incognito mode, like the Chrome browser itself, is a Google product. And Google has made its fortune by tracking your movements online. There's even a $5 billion class action lawsuit against the company in California where it's accused of secretly collecting user data. They do this crap all the time. They don't even tell you. And it's like buried in the fine print somewhere, like all the way down at the bottom. Their defense was incognito does not mean invisible. So we're redefining words. It's amazing how that's been happening a lot lately. Isn't it crazy? Like semi-fascist, fascist. So how do you actually make yourself invisible as possible online? You use ExpressVPN like I do. It turns out that even in incognito mode, your online activity still gets tracked and data brokers still get to buy and sell your data. One of the data points they use is your IP address. They use your IP to uniquely identify you and your location. But with ExpressVPN, your connection gets rerouted through an encrypted server and your IP address is masked. You can even tell them you're in Russia. Every every time you connect to ExpressVPN, you get a random IP shared by many other um, ExpressVPN customers, which makes it harder for third parties to identify you or harvest your data. Best of all, ExpressVPN is super easy to use no matter what device you're on, phone, laptop, smart TV. All you have to do is tap one button for instant protection. So if you really want to go incognito and protect your privacy, secure yourself with the number one rated VPN. Visit expressvpn.com slash dark to light and get an extra three months for free. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash dark to light. Go to expressvpn.com slash dark to light to learn more. ExpressVPN, baby. They keep it moving. So thank you, ExpressVPN. Um, thank you. Yes. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to move on to one more thing with you. Because you're a nurse, because you're so well-versed in this stuff, because we've had endless conversations about it. This BA5 Pfizer vaccine. Uh, yep. I sent We were sitting next to each other at this extravaganza and I passed you my phone and said, I want you to read this. And it was the FDA EUA approval. Yeah. Yep. There was a. Uh, uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, there was a, a sub stack that came out um, that was shared on Truth Social that I caught up. I caught about the they're calling it can you tell me if i'm pronouncing this right bivalent um yeah bi biovalent i think or bivalent means like basically protection for two i guess um um and also it, it, they're saying that it's equivalent essentially they're saying they don't have to test it because it's equivalent to um safety wise is essentially what they're saying yeah they're saying it doesn't need safety testing because it's similar is the word they're using. It's similar. Similar to the original. And so um, this is Igor Chudov, who does a great Substack that I read often, but this one was brought to my attention. He says the, um, he looked into the study. He looked into the study they did on eight mice. That's what we're using to now vaccinate the entire United States population. And he looked at the antibody response which is really neutralizing antibody response, I should say, which really doesn't mean anything because even if your antibody titer is high, it doesn't necessarily mean that you are going to be protected, correct? Right. 
So you could have a high antibody titer and, and that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Right. Because antibodies are very specific. And that's why uh, when you're talking about a, a vaccine, like the flu shot, for example, they, they, they're, they do their best guess for what's going to be the prevalent strain. And as we see, COVID mutates very quickly and we can debate why that is. Uh, but they're, they're guessing at one moment in time for what this will work with. And again, antibodies are very specific. It's like a lock and key. So can we debate why that is? Do you want to do that now or no? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, we, we can, um, and I think Geert Vandenbosch has just been speaking of people who spoke up when it was difficult and everybody called them crazy. I mean, that guy, I just, I, I so admire physicians who have spoken up like Dr. McCullough, Dr. Malone, Dr. Geert Vandenbosch, because uh, with credit physicians, their bread and butter is credibility, right? Uh, and, and they risked a lot uh, to speak up. And, and what Geert Vandenbosch said is, look, uh, we're driving these uh, mutations because of the vaccine. And to me, it makes so much sense, right? How do we get superbugs? Well, the overuse of antibiotics. So to say, oh, that's the unvaccinated driving variants is just silly. It's the people that are getting, it would be like your doctor giving you an antibiotic that wasn't specific to the right type of bacteria, bacterial infection you have. So sure, it's a broad spectrum, so it might suppress the bacterial infection, but it doesn't get rid of it all the way. And so that bacterial infection, when it comes back, is going to come back stronger and more virulent. And that's what it's the same kind of concept. Uh, you get superbugs in the hospital because a lot of antibiotics are being used. And, and this is the same concept when applied to this. Same concept as if you don't finish the course of antibiotics that may be yeah. correct for your bacterial infection. You will then cause that bacteria to mutate because it's hanging around in there and it's not getting killed off all the way. And it's smart. And it says, okay, I'm going to change myself just a little bit and get a little stronger so that the next time I see this, it won't be so successful. So there's going to be a little bit of a different component that stops you from, from protection. And then you get MRSA. Right. Right. So the vaccinated are driving variants and that's just, it's just, it's, Original antigenic sin, basically. Yep. So that's what you're looking at. But what this study showed is that, and and here's another aspect of this that I don't think many people are talking about. What the study showed was such a wide range of antibody response, right? So your body um, reacts to whatever is introduced to it. It produces antibodies to it, so it doesn't happen again. But these eight mice, some of them had a very low antibody response and some of them had a very strong and ridiculous antibody response that was, you know, several times more potent than another mice, another mouse. So the, the BA five booster was consistent producing antibodies against the Wuhan variant, which even if it's doing that doesn't mean crap because it doesn't exist in nature anymore. It's basically gone. So, yeah, right. grab up antibodies to the spike protein. Happy day. Good for you. You're never going to see that actual protein again. It's very different. But it was inconsistent when producing responses against BA5. So what actually happened, Sarah, and I'm, I'm sure you know this, but they were in the middle of making one for BA4. And the, FA, the FDA said, don't stop that. Do BA5 because BA4 is gone already. And BA4 was around for months, like months. Right. Well, and it's it's so crazy because, um, again, 
this this is a common practice with the flu vaccine and say what you will about the flu vaccine, but we haven't seen the kind of harms that the, the COVID vaccine are causing. And so, you know, maybe tweaking things a little bit and not doing full safety testing is normal for a quote, proven vaccine, at least in the safety realm, if not the effectiveness realm. But this is not even, this vaccine isn't even safe. So you don't get, so so they're gaslighting us because they're pretending like, oh, this is a perfectly safe and tested product. So we're just tweaking it. Oh, no, 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 you don't get to talk like that about something that is is killing en masse and you are suppressing the injury data. This is not like an antibiotic or a vaccine or whatever that's been around for decades and you're just updating it to to be effective against the most current strain. You know, what's crazy about what you just said, that's actually what they said when they approved this booster for children, that this is often what they do with the flu vaccine, which we can we can all are, you know, I would argue people don't really know the real safety and efficacy. Well, we know the efficacy. It sucks of the flu vaccine (laughs) either. Um, so, yeah, I mean, quote, safe in the FDA's eyes or in the general public's eyes means we're not having people dying of heart attacks randomly while they're walking their dog or getting blood clots pulled out of their veins that they people have never seen before. Yes, I guess it's considered safe in that aspect. <laughs> right. Um, but at the same time, they, they one of these mice had a, t- a, a titer of, of twenty two thousand. One had fifteen hundred. One had seven thousand. One had seven hundred. One. So it's all over the map. So that's just eight mice. What happens when a human being reacts to this, and and in in the way that the the mouse with twenty two thousand did? I mean, that's the that's the question, right? Because uh, we just don't know what we don't know, and so. I think what we've learned through all this is anytime somebody comes out and talks or the FDA releases a statement and they seem so sure of themselves, you should immediately be suspicious because there's no possible way to know. Like you said, it was eight mice. Is that what you said? Eight Eight mice. mice? Yeah. So um, we never make a decision based on eight mice. This is, this is unprecedented. And, you know, not that I ever agreed with this argument, but a sort of reasonable argument, I suppose would be, Oh, well, we're, you know, people are dropping dead of, of COVID in the streets, you know, the, the initial reason they got an emergency use authorization. But I don't understand why we're having a conversation about cutting corners anymore because people aren't dropping dead. You know, it should right now, all manufacturing should cease and they need to start from the beginning and do proper clinical trials. And then if they can prove to us this technology is safe, which I doubt they can because they've been trying since, you know, 2000 or whenever the initial patents were filed for mRNA technology, um, they've not successfully brought one of these vaccines to market. Uh, and, and so, you know, if they can go, if they can go through all the hoops regular, like a regular vaccine, then once they have a tested and quote safe vaccine, then sure. Okay. They can tweak it a little bit to, to, um, go with the variant that's present. I, um, I know that they're trying now to to wrap the flu vaccine into mRNA. Here's the difference. Here's the difference. You're not getting a live attenuated virus. You're not getting a, you know, um, a, a defunct virus. You're getting a code that tells you to produce the virus yourself. Right. This is gene therapy. And, and um, some of you guys may know I was an oncology nurse uh, and we use these types of therapies, which honestly raised my hackles when this thing first came out, because I know what these clinical studies look like 
for people. And it is very specific. It's very controlled. Um, and, and, uh, you know, to just like give this, to, and then it just horrifies me to think about what my cancer patients go through for these kind of, uh, novel technologies, because of course they're in a place of last resort. Right. And then it's like, Oh, but we're going to also give a similar technology to a baby with no testing. I mean, it's, it's a horrifying. I, I just even, it, and it's, Oh, now they did a whole big thing about how uptake of this thing is very, very limited at this point. Even even the the, the original series for um, Pfizer for for infants and, and small children is, is, you know, light years lower than than what the 12 and up crowd got. But even the 12 and up crowd, how you can do this to your kid. I just I just don't I understand. I don't understand. Um, just hold on one second. So back to kids, again, one of the reasons why you stepped up to do what you're doing right now, which is not easy. Um, It's not easy to run a campaign. It's not easy to run a successful campaign. And it's certainly not easy to run a campaign nowadays. So you're going to protect our kids. That's what your whole entire goal is. How long, if and when you win, is your term? It's four years. And the whole school board in our county is, yeah, four years. And the whole school board in our county is up for reelection. So it's we can really make a clean sweep. Potentially, we can get seven Republicans elected. Um, and and again, like I said, two of them are rhinos, but that would still give us the votes. And believe me, if any, I, I will I will whip those votes because um, I, I do feel like I have people who are passionate behind me uh, to if, if I know what they're doing, I'm going to bring that to the people and say, hey, guys, you need to show up at this meeting because this thing is going to they're trying to sneak this in that that happens a lot kind of sneaking stuff into the the you know at the end of the meeting like oh we're going to vote on this real quick what is going on in the school district now that you would change so i think the biggest thing i would change is uh transparency um because so they say they want parental involvement and by they i mean the administrators uh the, the superintendent they, they oh we want parental participation they don't um, they hope that we go away. The school board meetings, they are long, they're boring. Um, they kind of go into stuff that's not relevant and then really quickly try to jam a bunch of stuff in. And basically what the school board does is they vote to pass, uh, programs to get them funded. The school board kind of controls the budget. And, uh, so what's amazing to me is this is how we're getting CRT in, in my opinion. Um, all of the companies they hire, they contract with these outside private education curriculum companies, and this is common around the country. And so they bring these companies in and these companies have, if you go and look at the people who uh, run these companies or in their Twitter, uh, on their Twitter or social medias, it's very, they're very um, radical. They're radically left wing. And so we're just using these curricula without questioning it. And, um, Panorama, actually, which uh, the A.G. Merrick Garland's son-in-law runs that company, their whole thing is they survey kids for a program, um, social emotional learning, which is basically Mm -hmm. how CRT is getting in our school. And these surveys, it's amazing to me. They're selling our data, the the, the data they gather on our kids. Now they say, oh, well, we, we scrub the identifying factors from this data before we send it on to third parties. Well, I think we all know in the day and age of uh, 
data collection, you can't scrub data. Uh, it's just there's there's programs you can write to scrape data so you can aggregate back the data that they allegedly scrub. And so um, our kids data is being sold. And I actually found this because I did a public records request and looked at the contracts that they signed. And so I don't know if it's negligence or it's on purpose or what, but we're signing contracts with these companies without our school systems lawyers tailoring the contracts and asking questions and making favorable negotiations to our district. So I think I think that's a lot. To, um, yeah, but, but still, but still, it's important. It's important. And you need somebody who's going to have a questioning attitude. And I think that's what I bring, because it's amazing to me. We'll just roll over when the administration and the lawyers explain that something's OK because of this and this and this. And it's like, I'm not going to take I'm going to say, well, then you need to keep explaining it to me because I, I still don't convince me that it's OK. Yeah, that's your job, right? It's not just to right. like pacify people and just let them go along with something. Convince me that what you're saying is true. But yeah, totally, totally understand. And what is the next what are the next couple of weeks looking like for you? Like, what do you have to do? Oh, it's crazy. So um, campaign season will really start in earnest after Labor Day. And uh, my job is to get out in front of as many people as possible. And of course, we have the politically engaged people in our county and They've been a lot of them have been amazing. They're activists. Uh, and but I've, I've talked to them and they're going to help me. And now I have to get my message in front of people that maybe aren't as engaged. So just trying to be and then we have a big county. So just trying to be as many places as possible to talk to as many groups of people as possible. And I'll tell you, once once you show parents what's happening and you tell them about all the things our school's doing, they are like, what? And that, that's the issue. Parents don't know what's going on. And that's what I want to change. I, I want to tell as many parents about what's going on as possible. And then in the process of doing that, I I think I win their vote because they're like, wow, I had no idea. Left or right, D plus six or 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 R plus six. It doesn't matter. Parents are parents. It doesn't the, matter. Yeah. Even even, you know, parents you'd think would be receptive to things like this or not. And and it's it's all about transparency. So we have set a little goal. I don't know if we'll hit it, but we can try, right? Um we want to we want to raise what was the number you had told me seven thousand dollars. Yeah, um, six thousand dollars will will take care of uh, the rest of the expenses that I have planned. Of course, uh, the more the merrier, but six thousand dollars would be amazing. And then we can take over another school board in a Democrat county, and it's one of our ours guys. Sarah's one of ours. She's she's our family. So you're going to go to where? SarahAbsher.com. S-A-R-A-H-A-B-S-H-E-R.com. And help my girl out. Help her out. Let's see what we can do for her. Let's, you know, it's a local little race. It may not affect you personally, but in the grand scheme of things, this is what this is what we have to be doing. Hyper local, getting involved. And it takes a good set of balls to step up and do what she's doing. No, it does. I mean, it just does. It really does. As someone who's done it in a different way, albeit it is not easy to do. And it's it's a lot of personalities and it's a lot of backstabbing and it's a lot of horrible media attention. And it's a lot of, you know, putting yourself outside of your comfort zone for what's right. And Sarah's doing it. So, Sarah, I love you. Good luck. You made it through the first round. I, I am. I am so hopeful that you'll make it through the second round. We need you badly. And then maybe one day we'll be sitting on the Senate together. Who knows? Uh, that would be awesome. Uh, I don't think DC is ready for us, Tracy. Can you imagine? Uh, 
Get buckle up, guys. <laughs> Me and you locked arms walking up the steps. Can you imagine? Oh my gosh. And, and many more like us. Um, man, the the things we could do. <laughs> <laughs> we would clean. We'd clean up this town. We'd clean up this damn town for you and yours. <laughs> anyway, thank you guys. You have been listening to thank the you guys. the Dark Delight podcast with Sarah Absher. <laughs> supposed to come up with something stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you listen to every show. What the hell's wrong with you? Or and beans. You can hear us. Thank, every- thank God it's Friday, Sarah. <laughs> you can hear us every Monday, Wednesday, or Friday at two thirty Eastern Time on TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or RadioInfluence.com. And we will be back here next week. Say it later. Say it later. Say it again. You're gone. She's gone. All right. This is an MMA report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan. Quick fix on Radio Influence. The UFC does have a show coming up this weekend. UFC Paris here. And uh, I mean, look, the, a great one two punch at the top of this fight card, Daniel, with the heavyweight matchup with Surreal Gone, Tatu Vasa. Huge implications on what's going to happen with the UFC heavyweight title. Uh, I know I was watching Ariel's show this week, and, and he was, you know, when he was interviewing Tatu Vasa. He was kind of alluding to the fact of it seems like the UFC really wants to do Francis Ngannou, John Jones, but we know with Ngannou's knee injury, you know, recovering from that, also the contract situation there. Uh, and then, of course, then you have Robert Whitaker taking on Marvin Vittori. It was interesting. Um, Robert Whitaker was on uh, the Submission Radio podcast. Even noted he's kind of considered even potentially moving up to two hundred and five pounds, but said uh, you know one of his concerns with going up there would be just the height disadvantage he would be in there. But but to me, this fight card is about those top two fights. Dude, top two of us is getting disrespected. All right, Saru God should not be minus five hundred against Ty Tuivasa. Look, I understand Saru God technically is just, you know, a PhD when it comes to his education on the feet. Just a phenomenal striker. But look at the run two of us has been on. He's got game-changing power. He's got a fight style to me that deserves closer odds than plus 400 here. Plus 400, Jason. Jeez. Bro, you get Todd Tuivasa wins by TKOK over DraftKings Sportsbook at plus 650. You see, yeah, if you're going to pick two of us, that's the pick. Right, he's I not going to win a decision. I don't think that would. What What are the odds for Tuivasa to win via decision? That's got to be crazy. Tuivasa <laughs> wins via decision plus fourteen hundred. The MMA Report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.